0: Welcome to the Most Excellent 80s Movies Podcast. It's the podcast where we are getting too old for this shit as we watch our way through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these, our modern grown-up eyes to see how they held up. And today we're talking about Lethal Weapon, a movie selection from 1987 about which Letterbox says, if these two can learn to stand each other, the bad guys don't stand a chance. Veteran button-down LAPD detective Roger Murtaugh is partnered with unhinged cop Martin Riggs, who, distraught after his wife's death, has a death wish and takes unnecessary risks with criminals at every turn. The odd couple embark on their first homicide investigation as partners involving a young woman known to Murtaugh with ties to a drug and prostitution ring. And that's the story of Lethal Weapon. Uh, which we are going to talk about today. I am Chrissy Lenz, director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And with me today, as always, is...
1: Uh, Nathan Blackwell, independent filmmaker.
0: independent filmmaker, Nathan Blackwell. Hi. And also, we are so lucky today. Joining us is a genius podcaster of the Next Real Film Podcast and our uh, guru of everything at True Story FM, Andy Nelson. Hi, Andy.
2: Hello there. So glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy chatting with you two on this show, so I'm
0: thrilled to be back. And we Yay. are so excited to have you. Uh, lethal Weapon. We have been putting it off and putting it off so we could get it as close to Christmas <laughs> as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is like Die Hard kind of falls into the bait, debate of, is this a Christmas movie? Is this not a Christmas movie? I feel like there's a lot less evidence that this is a Christmas movie, despite there being so much christmas in it it's just a shane black movie
2: well yeah shane black (laughs) loves throwing christmas into his movies whenever he gets a chance uh which is pretty much every time he uh, (laughs) makes something yeah Uh, but but yeah there's definitely a uh a christmas vibe i mean you know kind of like Die Hard. it starts with christmas music it definitely kind of has that feel of christmas going on but it, yeah, it is funny, like you don't hear, like when it comes to the debate about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon doesn't come up as often in that sort of mm-hmm. debate. I suppose it could be, but you just don't hear it.
1: Yeah, but it layers it on thick, like it's definitely the backdrop of of most of this movie, you know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I feel like, not to get into the weeds, but I feel like... The structure of the story of a Christmas movie has to be within the movie, and that's what makes it a Christmas movie. You know, like are they learning a valuable lesson and peace on earth and and stuff like that? But I don't know. And d-
2: are they doing that in Die Hard? I
1: no, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Die Hard's a Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, I, well, I'm willing to go rogue and and, and agree with that, to <laughs> contradict everything I just said. But, um, yeah, it's a slippery slope.
0: I so. think they learn a valuable lesson in Lethal Weapon. Like, definitely, at least Riggs <laughs> uh, uh, finds the Christmas spirit within mm-hmm. himself.
2: And there's yeah. a valuable lesson to be learned when you're depressed around the holidays about the passing of a loved one. Talk to mm-hmm. a friend. Yeah,
1: maybe, yep. maybe. Okay, so how would we describe this movie? As if it was strictly a Christmas mo- mu- uh, movie, w- the plot-wise, but maybe kind of omitting, like, the heroine or the trained the assassins. Yeah, exactly. So, um,
2: it's well, Christmas I mean, time, right? Yeah, so, and I, I think that the, the heroine easily could just be, you know, a type of Christmas present for right.
0: some people, yeah. you know?
2: White snow. And the
0: uh, trained assassins are uh, are just like the reindeer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like uh, the main guy Gary Busey is just like the Rudolph of this movie.
2: It is a shadow company, and you got to say, I mean, nobody's really seen Santa Claus, so probably Santa right now is running the most effective shadow company right. out there.
1: There's That's a big true. shipment coming this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, I realized when I was watching this movie that I have never seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> <spit> what? take? What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I've, I've seen all the parts that everybody has seen, but I've never actually sat down and watched this movie. And so, I didn't know uh, 99% of what happens in it. It was all new to me. <laughs> wow.
2: Have you, have you seen any of the others? Like, did you watch the others thinking you had seen this one?
0: I, I think not. I think I've seen, I, I've definitely seen the scene where he's on the toilet and there's a bomb.
2: Mm-hmm. In the second one, yeah.
0: Okay, that's the second one. So I right. think yeah. maybe I have seen the second one.
2: Okay. That's the one with the South Africans and diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that ring a bell at all?
0: No. No bells are being rung whatsoever. <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> that maybe you've only seen the toilet scene. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah I, well, I
1: feel like there's some, like, pop culture primers and references and moments that get replayed over and over again that even if people, like, don't know what, like, Lethal Weapon is or even, like, Predator or RoboCop or Ghostbusters or some of these other things, like, kids are still kind of aware of them. Like, they know right. the gist of it, you know? um Mm -hmm. and and i think that goes you know there's tons of stuff like i've never seen chariots of fire but i pretty much know what chariots of fire is you know because i get the clip shows all the time
2: you know but is is that though because like like would you be able to would they know the same stuff about 48 hours that they would lethal weapon because i mean lethal weapon had i think what was it 2016 there was a TV show? I, I know it was somewhere yeah, yeah, in, the last, yeah, in the last decade yeah. there was a TV show. So it makes me wonder like, if they only know about it because of that. More so know. than the, it's in the cultural zeitgeist. We're going to have to get some data. Let's go pull yes. some teenagers. <laughs> so did,
1: did Rocket watch Lethal Weapon with you on this one?
0: No, he did not. Um, uh, He did not watch it with me. I was on my own. And it, it's a good thing, too, because it starts with boobs. Well, that's how how
1: Christmas movies should start, with titties up boobs.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just right at the beginning, some boobies, boobies off a balcony Mm -hmm. is uh, the number one as our introduction to this Christmas movie is a girl with her boobies out and a beautiful white negligee just decides that what she wants for Christmas is to dive headfirst into a parked car. Mm hmm. Uh, and then we go visit the Murtaugh family, who very awkwardly have a birthday party for their dad while he's in the tub. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. I told my wife, don't ever, ever uh-huh. do that when I'm taking yeah. your bath. Don't because ever bring kids in. It was a, different time. It was a different
0: time. <laughs> don't bring That's the kids weird in. Weird. Don't bring the cake in. Yeah, for so the whole Holy, thing. Hol- it's like, Holy no, smokes!
1: No, no. So like eighty-seven is now what? Thirty-five years ago?
0: Okay, right. if you Isn't say it? so. Well, you're yeah. the filmmaker, so you have to do huh? the math.
1: No, well, the filmmakers don't do math.
0: <laughs> well, the comedians <laughs> definitely don't do math. <laughs> so,
1: audience, please write in. Was 1987 35 years ago? years. 30, 30, 30, yeah, thirty-six. Who's? Yeah, uh, give or take. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard to believe that now some of these things are almost 40 years old. You know. Um, mm-hmm. You think about, like, in the 80s, like, what was 40 years old? It's like World War II. <laughs> that was yeah. 40 years old. And so it's interesting, this movie in particular, Vietnam pl- casts a long shadow over the whole story yeah. of the movie. You have it people really who does. served in Vietnam, and so it's like, how do you wind down a soldier, you know? You've got all the mercenaries who are highly trained, all the... the the PTSD from Vietnam like everyone is like um you know like 12 20 years out from having experienced that you know and that that's an interesting part that I didn't remember of the story
2: it was definitely yeah. something my wife and I were talking about after or while while it was going on cuz we're like wait so they both served in Vietnam but there's like there's an age joke between the two of them how is mm-hmm. like you know I was you know, I yeah, I can't remember. I was learning to get my driver's license when you weren't even thought in your dad's pants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, so wait a minute, could that actually have happened? And I mean, the Vietnam War, we're like, oh yeah, we looked it up. Oh, yeah, it did run twenty years. There was that length <laughs> like, of time where it could have happened. And then my wife landed on the Lethal Weapon Wiki, and she's like, well, it says that Riggs was born in forty nine, and uh, I think um, Murtaugh was eleven years older than him. So okay, I was like, okay. I can, I can see that. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting that there's this age gap between the two of them and they're uh, also vets serving together or like uh, now working together. And so that was an interesting element to the story that I completely forgot about as well. And the whole element with uh, not just Mr. Joshua, but like the general and like everything that they're doing. The whole bad guy doing. plot.
1: Yeah. yeah, the whole like Air America, you know, XCIA. cia thing of selling drugs to make money yeah you know yeah very interesting um but this movie is you know it's like so someone just coming in never having seen it like a chrissy lens (laughs) it's probably feels like it's rife with so many like buddy cop movie cliches but it's mm-hmm. because it kind of like created a lot of them or at least popularized them. Like, I'm sure they existed, but like the odd couple, you know, it's like, and this is your partner, your new partner, new partner. Like, this is really kind of where a lot of that stuff kind of became popular, you know?
0: hmm. And I love that aspect of it. Like when we, when we meet our uh, two main characters, you know, like we said, it's kind of weird to meet cute in the bathtub, Uh, with your whole family, Uh, but that's we're getting the sense that Murtaugh is a family man and that he's got a, you know, somewhat chaotic but precious home life with lots of kids and family. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we meet Riggs, who's Who's living like like
1: the Rockford filed like dreams of living on a beach, you know, (laughs) lonely and and all he has is a dog and he's ready to shoot his face off.
0: He's ready to shoot his face off, and he's uh, and buns. So there's boobs and then buns right at the very beginning for no reason at all. We get Mel Gibson's buns. (laughs) There's
1: reasons.
0: (laughs) Um, as he's just wandering around, sadly, like smoking and drinking beer as his morning routine. Um, so if his wife is recently dead, did she live in that hovel on the beach with him?
2: I mean, that's a good question. I kind of had a feeling he ended up there after. Yeah, because uh, it was a while ago. Her.
1: It wasn't like last year or something, right?
2: Yeah, it was like sometime. Uh, what did he, it it wasn't months. It wasn't over a year. Like it was like four months or something. So I, I don't know. I guess I could see him like if he's this distraught, just kind of like trashing everything and just ending up here.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So like maybe he had a house and their beach uh their beach um RV was just a little getaway and right, he was right. like they were renting oh, I'm gonna him. Go. Yeah. He's gonna go just live there and smoke in bed and run around with his <laughs> buns out. Mm-hmm. Um so we get to know him as being a, a loose cannon. A real um uncouth like weirdo because he does a drug deal where he's like shoot the guy shoot the guy he's just like... like
1: so he's undercover and we legit don't know at this point if he is robbing them by being a cop or it's an actual sting like when he reveals that he's a cop it's not like a bunch of agents run in like we i think deliberately we are watching to see who this dude is and we're not entirely sure whether or not he's actually just robbing them for the money if he's that bad of a dude. But then but he's not. Yeah. And, and so, But they walk that line at the very beginning. Is he insane or is he just traumatized? How bad is he? And then the reveal throughout the whole movie is that he's actually deep down a really nice guy. Who cares? Yeah. He's just a little broken.
0: He's just, yeah. well. He's a, more than a little broken.
1: He's a lot of broken. It's
0: but
2: it's, it's hilarious. An 80s, it's an '80s funny broken.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It, 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 well, it it's is. like it's like
1: any of these '80s movies. The psychiatrist is kind of a, a, a bad guy or a so dismissed. Gets it, yeah, gets it wrong, and because it because we believe in the common man and common sense and
2: and and that's a thread they ride through this entire franchise every time that psychiatrist comes back to talk like she's always uh just like laughed out of the office like yeah 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 Uh it's if if anything happens it's my fault all right get out of here you know like that's exactly how they (laughs) kind of treat her it's like
1: (laughs) that's not just this movie that's like all sorts of like 80s movies yeah um and i mean you also get it with like like the Remember the bad guy in Ghostbusters? It's the EPA, you know, yeah, the yeah, Environmental yeah. Protection Agency. Oh, what a dick! Get him out of here, you know? <laughs> Regulation? Screw You're off! You're <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's I... interesting how aggressive we were towards psychologists and psychiatrists back
2: then well and even just in the portrayal though and that was an interesting thing to kind of look back especially like through today's eyes of the portrayal of okay this character this cop is 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 so broken that he should be registered as a lethal weapon you know that whole line and everything and we have him as this uh i mean we see him as a broken like struggling with kind of the loss of his wife but not until we get this whole setup with him like you know the scene you were just talking about, Chrissy, with the that sting operation where once he catches that one or that one guy catches him, you know he kind of goes off like shoot me, shoot me, and we're like, okay, so is he is he just crazy? Like how far? Like he's so far he's going to push it all the way to the end where he's putting the gun in his mouth and all this crazy stuff. And it just it does like when you look at that through today's eyes, like the portrayal of a person who's going through grief and trauma. And then in a very comedic way, like portraying it like, you know, he's just, you know, he's so crazy. He's going to jump off the building with a, uh, you know, potential jumper and all of this sort of stuff. Like they they really push that line of being a lethal weapon to, um, and then it becomes a hard line to kind of continue riding through the series. Because then they're like, well, he kind of got through his grief. So now he just needs to be a wild and crazy cop who's just always like pushing the limits and stuff and it just i don't know how well it speaks to the idea of dealing with grief and depression like if he out of the gate had just been just a wild and crazy cop always pushing things it probably would have played better but now when you see it is like yeah, i don't know how well that you know the work that he gets on his depression over the course of the story really (laughs) plays Uh today you know
1: well yeah i I haven't revisited the The sequels in such a long time, it's a it's that would be a tough thing to really kind of continue is that that edge, you know, of of how wild man he is.
2: It's and that becomes like uh, I mean I haven't you know the second one I enjoy the third and fourth I really didn't care for at all. My recollection was though they they emphasize his kind of crazy antics. Like I think it's is I think it's in the second one also where they there somebody's being held in a hotel room way up high and he like pushes the the witness or something and him he grabs the witness and he basically throws him out the window with the witness and they fall and land in the pool uh yeah. far below but and so they like he keeps doing all this sort of crazy stuff and that becomes his character and then they also really continue to hit you over the head with the emphasis of family, family, family to the mm-hmm. point where like everybody's family at the end of it is just, it, it's, <laughs> it's so clumsy the way that they deal with it. But I, yeah, I don't know, like right out of the gate, just singling this film out. Um, it It's an interesting thing because it also, you know, it, it ends up as I was watching it. Um, like wh- who is the protagonist of the story? It seems right. like Murtaugh is the protagonist of the story. Mm-hmm. But we spend so much time dealing with Riggs and his issues to the point where when the story's kind of resolved at the end, you know, Murtaugh stops the bad guys. We have to have this whole other fight with Riggs and the bad guy and Mr. Joshua mm-hmm. um, in the oh, lawn. That
0: part's ridiculous. It's like... That they each get is- their
2: own revenge fight. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Which is... So silly, like, with the hose, the the fire hydrant is going off, so everything's getting soaked. They've driven... They, the good guys, intentionally drove a car into the Murtaugh home.
2: (laughs) That
1: seemed like not a great play.
0: No. Not to
2: mention the fact that they... They already had been in the house. They left a note for Mr. Joshua. So when he goes in, he sees the little note like, nobody here but us cops or whatever the cheeky thing is. Mm -hmm. But they left two cops outside innocently to end up getting killed by him. I'm like, well, if Mm -hmm. you knew, if you were here and you like set up this whole plan, you got your family safe, why put these two cops out here just to get killed? Like, that was like the worst, worst plan.
0: They've incurred so
1: much paperwork from this entire movie. Like, it's it's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Well, but everybody at the end, there's like the fire department's there. There's a million, it's crawling with cops. And uh, Murtaugh's just like, no, you got to let him fight it out. He's got to do his karate (laughs) battle. It's his arrest. Back off, everyone. Uh huh. You want us to stop this fight? No, I'm going to keep fighting. Okay. All right. So. I guess that's supposed to be more evidence that he's like unhinged because he's got to finish this hand to hand combat right. battle and they each choke have the guy have, out with his eyes.
1: They each have to move kind of into the middle to where it's like Murtaugh plays it safe and he has to become a little more of a killer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then Riggs has to become a little more normalized and accept like family, you know, yeah, right. uh, it's, well, it, it, it's it to me. It reminds me of almost kind of like a western, you know, especially kind of like the the whole Die Hard ending. It's like I have defeated you. I have decided not to kill you. Oh, then you pull a gun. Oh, self defense. Boom. Yeah, you know yeah. the Die Hard ending. You know <laughs> Um that felt very much kind of like
2: Western gunslingers to me. You know, right, right, right. Although I suppose Die Hard, since it came out a year later, has to say, it used the lethal weapon ending.
1: Right, right. I don't know. (laughs) Uh But yeah, that's... And and that happens in a lot of... In a lot of uh, movies. It's like, well, we really... Okay, we want it both ways. The hero can't murder someone at the end, but we really want to murder this guy. (laughs) You know, we really want to kill him. So it's like, oh, I've let you go and then they do something to knock themselves off of a cliff or they undo themselves by their greed. Like there's some last minute moment to where then the the villain dies. Hang on to my
2: hand, you know, and then they die. Yeah. Just classic, classic tropey stuff.
0: Which I love. (laughs) Those were the parts I loved. Uh were all the buddy cop, you know, things that become cliche because they were made to be cliche by this movie. Um, that was the parts I loved. The parts I didn't love were how confusing the plot was, like the actual plot of like how they murdered a girl with pills, even though she jumped off the balcony, uh, because her dad knew too much about how they were bringing in the heroin. Right. Am I getting it right? Yes. Um, and then they kill him with a helicopter.
1: Right, right. They have to get rid of the anonymous hooker by blowing up her house.
0: Right. <laughs> right. By completely blowing up her house. Um, there is a really cute scene that I, I did remember having seen where they're interrogating the little kid. And they're like, was he black like we or white like like him? Was he? Did he have blonde hair? And the kid's just pointing. That's a really cute uh-huh. scene. They're yeah. like, you're going to bust Dixie. You're going to bust <laughs> Dixie. No, Dixie's going to get blown to literal smithereens. Um, So, like, the bad guys, for being a shadow... What are they called? A shadow... Shadow, shadow company. company.
1: Shadow company. Yeah. Shadow company. The shadow company.
0: How can they be a shadow company if they're blowing up people's homes and killing you with a helicopter right outside your house? Like, they're driving up with a helicopter... Well, That's who knows how much?
1: Oth- who knows how much other stuff they're up to that we don't know about because they're the shadow <laughs> company.
2: It's well, and, and it's the '80s. Shadowy. We don't have cameras everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. people forget very quickly. L.A. There's helicopters all the time flying around in L.A., right. so nobody thinks about it. You know, these things happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Look, honestly, it it is one of those things where, as a shadow company. The actions that they take—I mean, it—it it almost seems more Shane Black to have the actions play out in such big ways as they do than it actually fits in context of what it should be for this story. If they're shadow agents, everything should be a little more more covert and hidden. Right. They, it, you know, you, you know, silent assassin type of things. Mm-hmm. But no, it's very big and bombastic, and that ends up yeah. feeling very, uh, very much kind of what Shane Black likes to do and mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. with his writing. And I suppose when you look at Richard Donner I'm trying to think like what was he doing right before the Goonies is like the Goonies and Lady Hawk both came out yeah. right before. And so I it, I don't know. I guess I don't necessarily see Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, in, but in so
1: so of, for those but. who don't know Shane Black, he's done uh, obviously like Lethal Weapon um he did The Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight. Kiss kiss bing bang. He did Iron Man 3, and he did um one of my uh favorite new buddy movies, The Nice Guys.
2: And then unfortunately went and did the Predator. <laughs> yeah, I didn't name that one, did I? <laughs> <was> so bad. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And I know a lot of people love the monster squad, which I don't really care for, but he did I might let that too. Yeah. yeah, that's not not a good one So Wolfman
0: got Nard's monster squad.
2: That's the one. That
0: one? I've never yep. seen it.
2: That's the one, though. Yeah. Well, you can but talk about it on a future episode. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote it with, uh, I can't remember, some, some, I think the director, Fred Decker, is what it says here. Mm. So, but, but this was like early in his career, and Shane Black was a very, it was like I his first
1: he, like majorly produced
2: thing. Yeah. It? Right. It was. And, and he had just like, he really caught on suddenly. Like people loved the way he writes his scripts. And so that, you know really kind of sold it i mean i'm looking at it here and it's like just reading just some of the first part of the first page here fade in city of angels lies spread out beneath us in all its splendor like a bargain basement promised land camera soars dips winds its way slowly down down bringing us in over the city as we super main titles titles end as we spiral down toward a lush high-rise apartment complex the moon reflected in glass camera continues to move in through billowing curtains into the inner sanctum of a penthouse apartment and here Boys and Girls is where we lose our breath because spread eagled on a sumptuous designer sofa lies the single most beautiful girl in the city, blonde hair, a satin nightgown that positively glows, Sam Cook music crooning from $500 speakers. And it just kind of goes, it's like very easy to read, very big very very very, yeah. Yeah. very and and he speaks to you the reader like and hear Boys and Girls like and he throws that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff in which you didn't really see much and so people really just kind of fell for his writing and that's really like I think wasn't lethal weapon. Like it was like the biggest, it
1: was like a huge sale, screenplay
2: like, sale before. Yeah. 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 I, I, I even
1: I, remember there, uh, uh there, there's like a line in the script where they, they open up a briefcase full of money and in it is more money that I'll make off of selling the screenplay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, he definitely brings that energy in all of his scripts. And then when he started directing, yeah. certainly infuses it in the films, um and and you get that here and and i again just seeing what the shadow company is doing and how it operates that feels just so much exactly the way that he yeah
1: yeah kind of there's there, there's like a a snappiness to the dialogue but there's also like a darkness and a a shock value to the writing yeah. that you can totally yeah. now that i've you know it's like because when i i i watched like i had when uh, so I watched Lethal Weapon a bunch when I was a kid. I kind of went through like a a buddy cop or cop phase, you know, to where it was like Lethal Weapon, and it was like, you know, Dragnet with like Tom Hanks and and Dan Aykroyd. It was, you know, oh, we gotta uh, do Be- that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we d- it was like Beverly Hills Cop, and so like these funny cop movies. You know, it's like to me, it was more about like they were. It was less about being a cop and more of like the. De- detective angle but i just went mm-hmm. through a whole big phase of that and this was definitely high up on there um so but it, it's kind of interesting like i don't think i've seen this movie in like about 15 years so it was it was fun to be familiar with shane black now and to see the dna in the storytelling and to now check out lethal weapon it's like oh oh, yeah, like, oh, that was a shocking twist. Like, I knew, kind of knew what was going to happen, but that was, I could see a little more of the storytelling DNA in there.
0: There's a really great part uh, where the general says to Murtaugh, there are no heroes anymore. And that's the moment where Riggs comes bursting through right. the door, having totally escaped like... his torture, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, gonna "Yeah, rescue you... everybody.
1: You could totally
2: see that moment like in Iron Man 3, you know? yeah the yeah the surprise reveals and all of that it's Mm -hmm. and it's because it scripts so well you know like you you know the bad guys think that Riggs is dead and and he delivers that quippy line and boom he shows up and it's just Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's fun and it's exciting the way that he writes Uh, there is an element to him that even in some of his more recent scripts I, I feel there's kind of a A dated element with some of the way that his characters talk, like homosexuality, always seems to be an issue in his (laughs) scripts. And and that that paired with Mel Gibson in this script (laughs) (laughs) was like peak grossness. Watching it again, yeah, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah,
0: it's a little, uh, little icky. Uh, That's the those parts definitely didn't age too well. Um, I don't think my opinion is that this is not necessarily a timeless classic i think it's very much of the year 1987 Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: doesn't necessarily hold up crazy well what do you guys i i I
1: feel like story-wise it holds up pretty well as an action movie
0: you mean Um, the the buddy cop bits or the vietnam shadow company bits
1: if, just tuning in as a piece of entertainment that introduces the characters and then the kind of ride we go on. The ride itself, I think, still works really well. I okay. think there are so many, maybe it's not dated, but there's so many elements of the time that would not be in the story if it was told again today. So there's so many moments of not even like style, but just like in terms of like like how they treat the psychiatrist you know, mm-hmm. the whole buddy cop thing and like the the stuff that we've seen as tropes that were kind of introduced here, you know, all the elements that, you know, um, in re- regards to the to the Vietnam, like I feel it's it's very 1987.
0: For yeah, sure. exactly.
2: But I, I, think, yeah, I
1: as, think I felt like as a ride of entertainment that it still works really well.
2: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, it is a fun film. I enjoy the characters, you know. I enjoy the family life that that Murtaugh has and and Riggs. You know, I think Mel Gibson does kind of play that manic, crazy well. It's like you know Mad Max dropped into nineteen eighty seven. It 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 does have its issues that that um, I do struggle with every time I watch it and. Uh, but I still find it fun and and you know, I can watch it and get past those issues and kind of like the oddness of like why why are you what's going on with this prostitute at the beginning? like all these questions that I have I'm like, none of that really makes sense. But I end up finding it fun enough. I always you know, I need to remind myself when I watch it next time once they kind of stop the general and the car blows up, I can probably just skip the whole chapter of the fight on the lawn. I never really, what, yeah, it, it just, just becomes like, a protracted fight me, scene. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it does. When you talk about it, it, the movie does devolve at the end into a long messy fight scene. Kind of like how we blame a lot of like oh action movies nowadays they just like the the third act is just all one protracted fight scene there's no more character, there's no more this. Well, that was happening in the 80s too. <laughs> <And> also, <laughs> yeah. Especially exhibit A right here. Yeah, so. right.
2: And I suppose like in the in the the behind the scenes part of this, I could imagine there being some conversation between like Richard Donner and Shane Black and Mel Gibson, as far as like the reason for that particular fight scene is, you know, his need to kind of like overcome some of his grief and some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that he'd been holding on to. But it's just like, I, I, I guess I just don't see how it fits exactly because it's not like he was painted as somebody who came back from Vietnam With issues from the war like it's not war ptsd you know he's suffering grief from losing his wife and so yeah Mm -hmm. if anything that like his war
1: experience is a superpower
2: yeah exactly that's what trained him to be such a great sniper but by the time we get to that like i guess that's one of the issues like if it had been a battle about like two people who had been on different in different teams during the vietnam and and this was their way to kind of come for Riggs to kind of get through it, it would have worked better. But as it is, it's like well, none of that ties into the loss of his wife and his grief, and it ends up just like feeling like this tacked-on fight that just doesn't connect to the story when the story has ended because the general has been killed.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. They each they each need their re- revenge fight at the end. Yeah, yeah. Their, and that yeah. they
2: need their their individual
1: showdowns.
2: And that speaks exactly to what you're just saying about the 80s. Just um, They had these protracted third act fights that just didn't need to be um, <laughs> as long as they are.
1: Just Marvel like didn't do. invent it. It's been
2: around <laughs> no. for a while.
0: Um, I have a question though. When they're out on the road um, uh, and they... So Riggs gets shot and he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. So they think The bad guys think that Riggs is dead. Uh, They get a call on their car uh, phone that there's been a shooting uh, down the street from the Murtaugh house. And Murtaugh's like, yeah, yeah, later. We'll let someone else get it. And they're like, nope, they called you. It's right down the street from your house. And he's like, oh, let me guess. It's a blonde kid with big old dimples. And they're like, how did you know? So they killed the daughter's boyfriend? (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They did. And he doesn't lose a wink of sleep about it.
2: Nor does she. She still is batting her eyelashes at uh, Riggs.
0: At Riggs. Yeah. Which is understandable.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not really sure how to read that whole bit. Yeah.
0: Because, like, She gets kidnapped, and so I'm sure she's got trauma from like being kidnapped and having to be part of this big old gunfight and having to drive a limo in a limo versus helicopter chase and um, all of the rigmarole that she goes through. But I think she'd be mostly traumatized by the fact that bad guys killed her boyfriend right before Mm -hmm. her eyes.
1: Well, (laughs) I almost feel like this is almost like a genetic ancestor of Michael Bay's films. Like, these couldn't, like, Michael Bay in his current form couldn't exist without these movies. And so, if you compare them to the brevity of character in Michael Bay, this seems like freaking Hamlet, you know?
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) Like, it's weird because this movie transitions into full on pre Michael Bay, you know? It starts off in 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 a pretty grounded place, you know, with the characters, and we think we're going to get more of a character action movie than what we end up getting at the end, you know.
2: Yeah, like Um, by the time they kidnap his daughter, they're meeting in like this the middle of nowhere. Uh, It's some, I guess it's El Mirage Lake, but it was like this. Uh, barren wasteland and you get those mm-hmm. exactly like those michael bay sorts of really long lens shots of the helicopter and all the vehicles driving through the the shimmering um uh, you know long lens look as they as they drive across the, the sand to meet them and that does feel very michael bay like let's put it in a completely remote location because it just mm-hmm. looks so cool it's like well it doesn't make sense but it doesn't matter it just looks cool and that does seem to kind of fit with the bay right. yeah stylings. and also
1: just like cops having so much latitude just to fire heavy hardware in public areas you know there's like uh, two or three times to where they're firing a machine gun a cop runs up to him and goes like no no i'm a cop and he flashes like a badge for a second all right continue You're like very well yeah go <laughs> <"Come
0: laughs>
1: about your business sir
2: um, we were we, were, we were laughing at that because yeah this is like when Riggs was chasing mr joshua on the freeway and he comes running up and he, he doesn't even flash a badge. He just he's a man running with a machine gun. Like that's what he looks like. He's uh, undercover. Yeah, sure and listen, this other man. cop is just and he's just like, you know, I'm a cop. And the guy's like, oh, okay, go on by. It's like he didn't show you anything. Like what,
0: <laughs> what kind of safety are
2: you all doing? My what? goodness, what a yeah,
0: scary, dangerous time, apparently.
2: On. Man, yeah. the
1: eighties yeah. were a scary
2: time.
0: Yes. Yeah, they were. But we do get a very cute button on the movie where uh, Riggs goes to the Murtaugh house at—I ha- at, no, almost said Halloween at Christmas <laughs> um, for Christmas dinner, and the house is like the front door is boarded up, and the hole that they drove in through the house, which by the way they drove into the house, they did uh-huh. it, not the it bad just guys. Just as a
1: distraction, just as a just distraction. As a
0: distraction.
1: Huh? It's
0: like the house is taped up. Uh, but he gives Riggs his special bullet that he was going to blow his brains out with. And he gives it to him as a Christmas gift. And then he gets to come in and have a bad Christmas dinner with the family. Oh, it's so cute <laughs> and sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect button. And the, the button button is that he invites his dog in. Yeah. We remember that he's got a but dog. they've got like,
1: a cat. Oh, oh a cat's and dog. dog. Like oh, my gosh.
0: So yeah. I'm really curious to see how you guys will rate this movie on a, a nice. scale of uh, one. I don't know one Mel Gibson buns to ten <laughs> Mel Gibson buns.
2: Uh, okay. Is that like one cheek is uh-huh. is one a half or is a half? I a half. It, yeah, okay.
1: I think I think yeah, I think it's got to be per, per cheek. So per a, cheek. A, a, so ten would be five full buns.
0: Five full buns. Okay. Right.
1: So just go by cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What about well, so?
0: You go first, then Nathan. How do why you is rate that, it? Why um, am I always? First, I feel
1: like I'm always going first. Oh, okay. Uh, okay so, so go first? I'll go first. Um, so uh, this. So understanding that some of this is dated, but I'm 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 judging this not only as just on the right itself, but almost kind of like as an action movie fan this is like required reading it's like if you had to take home five five movies for for like 80s action or like future action like this to me lethal weapon would be required reading at least to understand like some of the beginnings or the sources of it so i feel like i'm i'm landing somewhere in the eight eight point five uh and then so i'll just i'll just say eight point five 8.5.
0: 8.5 That's really okay.
2: healthy. That's a very yes. healthy
0: rating. Yeah. <laughs> it's a
1: healthy rating.
0: I agree. What about you, Andy?
2: I am not quite there. Uh I enjoy this film. I enjoy what it stands for. Um, and I agree. Like there is a place for this in the annals of like buddy cop action movies, as far as like what it's set up, how it kind of fits into that whole um, you know, subcategory of, of genre. Uh but I still largely uh, there's a lot to struggle with and so I enjoy mm-hmm. the film but I, I I think that I would cap it at uh six six full full buns six so it's like six, six individual so cheeks <laughs> which
1: equals three full buns
2: three full buns six full right. cheeks <laughs>
0: uh, that's uh, that's exactly where I was gonna put it at as someone who was seeing it for the first time although it felt like I was seeing. Uh, parts of it for the millionth time it turns out i was really uh coming to this movie with very fresh eyes um and i really enjoyed all of the parts that have since become cliches uh of the buddy cop genre but the rest of it felt really sort of long and stodgy to me so i give it a six as well three full buns nice uh from me Three full six, buns for me, six and I, I think six. that uh, I think that Die Hard is the better movie.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. Definitely, there's, there's no definitely, doubt. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. So, what about a deep cut recommendation? If people enjoy Lethal Weapon, what might they also enjoy? Andy, you said you had one right at the top. So, what do you I think? I do.
2: It's it is definitely not as. Uh, <laughs> I guess I could say Lethal Weapon is lighthearted. I mean, it's kind of the buddy cop comedy sort of style as far as what they're doing. There's this really fantastic movie that I only just discovered um, very recently. I just started watching through Walter Hill's, uh, like all of the projects that he'd been a part of. And he wrote this script in the 70s. It was directed by actor Robert Culp. And it's called Hickey and Boggs. And it is a Mm. um, buddy cop, let's just say, um, story about it's Bill Cosby and I know there's a lot of uh, issue with bringing him up period but it is Bill Cosby and Robert Culp both of who were on I Spy and you'd think because of the two of them in it that and, and coming from I Spy that it would be a little more funny but it's not but it is a really like well crafted really interesting kind of like character cop story about these two cops who are trying to track this stuff down and they just fe- seem so like downtrodden and the film just I don't know I found that it worked really well it's very much more kind of like a noirish crime story from the 70s so it's called Hickey and Boggs and um, definitely needs uh, more people to check it out really interesting film
0: cool wow so this is the episode where we talk about Mel Gibson and Bill Cosby (laughs) that's right I figured we
2: already we already Uh broke the seal let's get it out
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh what about you nathan
1: so i'm almost positive at some point i've already recommended this but i feel like this is just naturally where so it it, for me the thing that's interesting is all the buddy cop movie tropes and if you want to see that just dialed up to to like a thousand and but with a comedy angle then it's got to be hot fuzz Like Mm. there's Mm -hmm. the so Hot Fuzz directed by Edgar Wright with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It's kind of like, what if there was a big police buddy cop action movie, but in, in rural England, you know, and it is it takes those elements of the buddy cop and just lean super hard into it it's almost the exact same soundtrack in some areas like mm-hmm. it's the exact same style and, and 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 there's even almost very specific moments you know um of like you know uh, the 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 two two diametrically opposed cops and then they each have a moment of kind of of bro love between them as they, they kind of come together, the laying the flowers on the grave. And, and so Mm -hmm. in terms of like, if you saw lethal weapon, some of the Michael Bay movies, like bad boys and then hot fuzz, that would be a a better um, triple feature than, um, well, maybe even, yeah, well, so, so in hot fuzz, they see a double feature of, Bad Boys, and Point Break. But I feel point like break. there's way more lethal weapon than Point Break in Hot Fuzz. So
0: Well, but if you have to choose between anything and Point Break, you choose Point <laughs> Break. Well, you know,
1: Maybe you just see Point Break on its own, or twice in a row. Maybe that's enough.
0: Yes, I recommend seeing Point Break <laughs> twice in a row. Um, great recommendation. Mine is similar, inspired by the Buddy Cop Uh, tropes and the buddy cop uh, cliches. Uh, But if you want it in a comedy form and you want it to be more wholesome and to eliminate all of the problematic elements, then you got to go Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's my favorite cop uh, show. Uh, It's a comedy. There's, I think, seven seasons uh, starring... Oh, now I can't think of his name. Jake Peralta is the character's name. Andy Samberg Same is the name. actor's yes. name. Uh, and Andre Brower and uh, Melissa Fumar. And uh, it's just a really uh, wholesome show about uh, being a cop. And uh, the character who always wants to, uh, like in Hot Fuzz, experience the uh, the lethal weapon-like tropes. Right. But in a wholesome way. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That's my recommendation. So, uh, Andy, where can people find you in the podcasting uh, world?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, usually we're over at uh, the next reel and thenextreel.com, you can kind of get a list of all the shows that we have uh, covered. You know, we're in we're currently in our 13th season having started in 2011. So, we've got you know, hundreds of movies that we've talked about over there. And uh, we also do Movies We Like, which is a show where we bring on guests from the industry to talk about one of their favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And we uh, have The Film Board, which is talking about a very recent movie. And so we've got a whole variety of shows that we um, are doing over there at The Next Reel. And then everything is part of our True Story FM network. So you can see kind of all of the shows, entertainment and not, over at truestory.fm
0: excellent and i'm uh super excited because i hear you guys might be doing the lost boys
2: we are doing the Lost boys absolutely. <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> for you to do the lost boys
0: <laughs> we loved it loved it loved it so much when we did it it's such a um it's such a treat it's it a is a gift. fun one i'm looking I forward can't to, wait to hear it. You and Pete talk about it <laughs> it should be fun. um Nathan, where can people find your filmmaking endeavors?
2: Yeah, so the
1: uh, the easiest place is squishystudios.com uh, to check out info on our, our feature film, The Last Movie Ever Made. You can go to Squishy Studios or you can go to, to the Facebooks or the Instagrams uh, and, and check out Last Movie Ever Made.
0: Excellent. So- Uh, And in our bonus content, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the film festivals that Nathan has been to recently, winning all kinds of awards and getting all (laughs) kinds of ovations. Um, And you can find me, Chrissy Lenz, at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. It's NCT Phoenix for Neighborhood Comedy Theater Phoenix, all spelled out, dot com. Uh, for showtimes, tickets, and other information. And if you're uh, you know, sitting there thinking, I haven't had enough of this banter. I need more of this banter. I need more Nathan and Chrissy. I can't wait another week to get any more. You can become a member of our podcast at TrueStory.fm. Uh, just go to our show page. There's a cute little button that you just click, and it says "Become a member," and you can support our show that way um thank you guys for being great guests and talking about uh finally getting to talk about lethal weapon a christmas (laughs) movie in the christmas season um and when you're out there in the world uh please keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast in mind be excellent to each other and party Party on dudes. dudes